It's another episode of the Monday Morning Morons. The playoffs are well underway, and Curtis Podolecki is once again 0-2. Will Stryline, this guy, 1-1, and and I'll take it. That's a that's a big W. It is a big W. Some would say it's for the W. That's how big that W is. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a hashtag running around out there somewhere that a team has been convincing us to use all year. Do people use hashtags when a team tells them to? Only the real diehards. I did it once because, yeah. We won. I'm not that diehard yet. We didn't lose like some people predicted. So one and one for me. Let's start off with the well. We'll start off with the Hamilton BC game because that came first on Sunday, and uh, we both got this one all kinds of wrong because it looked like Hamilton was playing a peewee team. I didn't even see see Oda Willis jump offside. They played that bad. He didn't even have to do that. So. <laughs> Uh, see, I didn't have to do it this time. That's wonderful. Put it this way. You know what? As the game went on, at least as a BC fan, you could reminisce about all the great years Wally Bono brought to your organization. And TSN made sure you oh, knew it. They, if they have one story, they stick to it. Wally Bono is the greatest coach, so he deserved all of it. He didn't deserve to go out that no. way. But you were kind of saying it here off mic before we started up. It's just... BC looked so good in the second half of the season, competing in all these games. And for some reason, when they went to Hamilton, they just forgot that they were a football team. Yeah, they didn't win all their games down the stretch, but they competed in all the games. And they played, you know, some good competition. And, you know, maybe maybe throw out that Calgary game, but it it didn't mean anything to them. They were were stuck with where they were going anyways. And I don't care who you are as a player, that takes a little out of you going into a game knowing you can't really do anything in the playoffs or a week away. But, yeah, to be that flat two times in the second half of the year against the same team in the same building, you know, that's that's a little concerning if, if I was a fan of that organization. Like, leading up to the week, they were like, oh, yeah, we're, we were practicing on the Eastern time zone. We were waking up earlier. We should be good to go. Like, nothing, none of it should affect us. I'm like, so was there, like, demons from – a few weeks prior when you decided it was a good idea. Maybe it's bad omen dancing on another team's logo. Maybe it's bad omen. Michigan proved that wrong in NCAA when they destroyed MSU's logo, but you know, that's Michigan and they're supposed to beat MSU. Apparently in the CFL, if you dance on a tiger cat, the tiger cats are going to embarrass you. Yeah. It's just some things you don't do. Like you don't want to give anybody or any team extra motivation. And, and I think Hamilton was a little extra motivated, yeah, see, but that's what we chalked it up to a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, it was, oh, Hamilton was just protecting their house. Are they, are they still that caught up about what I don't know. They had, Rick, they had Ric Flair there. I'm not quite sure why or why that's a thing. That but. was fun. I enjoyed that a lot. My, my like, 12-year-old wrestling fan self came out, and I'm like, I love everything about Ric Flair being at that football game. I, you know what? For for one in, once in a while, I'm okay with it. I've heard grumblings this week that I don't know if Calgary's reached out to Bret Hart or Bret Hart's been asked if he would do something but from what That's i heard fun bernhardt's from calgary i know right like like rick flair came out of nowhere other than the fact he's buddies with angela mosca yeah so it, i don't know if it helped hamilton well it didn't hurt him you know and they win by 40 points you know it wasn't any sort of game like if calgary went and got dwayne the rock johnson to come out that'd be kind of fun but it's so it's so against what huffnagel does huffnagel's not that guy no, and honestly, it it looks bad on the league if 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 this is where we go week in week out, and you get teams reaching out to old, retired, wrinkled wrestlers to come out and motivate teams. You know, as a publicity stunt more than anything. And 
I don't know. I, Dwayne Johnson was on a practice roster for Wally Bond on the Calgary oh, Stampede. Well, that's, that's totally different. He, he's still on the prime. You know what? He's, he brings people in, and publicity or not, I think everybody would be okay seeing that because, you know, he's still current. He's still an A, he's an A-list actor anywhere in the world right now. Everyone knows who he is, and that would bring a lot of attention, and mostly good attention, if you ask me. But when you're digging out, you know, Bret Hart or Ric Flair week in, week out, and if it's becoming a weekly thing, I don't know, I just... To me, that's kind of disappointing to the league if, if that's what people are putting out as the news, is top story is retired wrestlers trying to motivate football teams. There is a clear reason why you never got into PR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Quote Waylon. Come see retired wrestler yeah. at football. Yeah. Waylon Smith. Do we have to keep pandering <laughs> to them? Yeah. Uh, see, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Ric Flair is such a personality. I thought it was great. Like, you're you're right. I don't want it to be a weekly thing, especially, like, during the regular season. You don't really need that at all, in my opinion. You can get people to the stands the other way. But for a playoff game, when you're trying to build hype, uh, there's not a lot of people in North America that are better than Ric Flair building hype. No. You know what? Personally, I was okay with the Ric Flair thing. You know, a one-and-done kind of situation. It's different. It's it's the East and that those markets need all the assistance they can get. And I'm okay with them reaching out and trying to get more eyes on, on the game. And, and hopefully that's what they accomplished. And it definitely motivated the team. And it, look, every part of it's looking good for Hamilton out of that. All those eyes that tuned in from ESPN2 down south just came and watched an absolute stink. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it always seem to work like that? <laughs> it does. Like the CFL can't catch a break when they do, when they get big uh, audiences down south. Now it's it's different now that we have every game down there, but that was the, like the pitch in the 90s there. Just like every game that they paid attention to was an absolute stinker. Yeah, they should have paid attention to the second game of the day. That game was, uh, I don't know if it's played a whole lot better offensively, but it was a close, hard-fought, suspenseful game. I think that is it was the game that everybody wanted it to be. It was it was close. It could have gone either way. I was sitting on my couch, like ripping hair out at a family dinner. I'm like, the Winnipeg better not cough this up. <laughs> and Andrew Harris is a beast. The Bombers did everything right, and then all of a sudden at the end, I think they remember they were playing in Regina, and they're like, hey, <laughs> let, let's not play special let's, teams now. Let's let's see how close we can let them get back. I think my, my problem with it is is Winnipeg looked like the better team offensively all game. And not because Brandon Bridge looked bad, which he did. It just Winnipeg looked to have all the answers they needed offensively. But there was about two or three series where I don't know what happened to La Police. He got really weird in the play calling, would abandon the run. So they'd move the ball down into about the 45-yard line, make two bad play calls, and punt the ball away because you're just at the edge of field goal range. Like, it didn't make any sense that they would give up on that and really take away the opportunity for points and Saskatchewan stays in it. I totally agree. And, you know, it's not like like their matchup this week when you're playing a team like Calgary with a far more explosive offense. You know what? I'm far more open to you taking chances all over the field. But when you're playing a team who you know is struggling offensively, their backup quarterback has not looked good, you know, and points are at a premium playing a really good defense like the Riders in that environment at Mosaic. You know, when you're that close to field goal range, you should be trying everything you can with Money Medlock. Money you know, so Medlock. That's new. So close to field goal range, just get in that field goal range and chip in six, seven field goals in a game. Ain't nothing uh, bad on the stat line if your field goal kicker's got seven made field goals in a day. Well, he did. 
I actually like the fact that they went for the one in the end of the first half. Like, 53-yarder that he pushed left. Yeah, there's one knock I do have on Metlock. I, I do really like him as a kicker, but his kick's over 50. Uh, his his percentages there aren't very good, and I don't really know why. The guy's got a leg. Well, he, he had that thing, he had the thing by football. 15 yards. Like it, it, wasn't, it was never close to being short. With that being said, I, I totally agree that Lapley's got a little carried away on some plays, but both teams did. The Riders made some very poor decisions on some play calls with throwing their, I guess we'll call it wildcat formation, and at weird times and I think it was uh, one of the few times I can credit Glenn Suter for making a good analogy was he went out and said, by bringing in the backup, you essentially, the whole reason you do the wildcat with a backup quarterback or another runner is to have the fear of the guy behind center can run the ball as well as the guy crossing over. But bringing in their third string quarterback, who was the backup, I guess, for this game, he was no more of a running threat than Brandon Bridge was. No, Brian Burge is the best running threat they have at quarterback. Like, I don't understand where they were coming from with that, and I agreed with it, and I agreed with what Suter said about it. I think they just they overthought it a couple times out there on their side of the ball, too. Arguably, the biggest play that Saskatchewan had was that, like, 40-yard run by Brandon Bridge in, like, the second quarter. Most of the only plays, it was that and Roosevelt. And from a Bomber fan perspective, it was frustrating to watch. Because they don't have anybody else other than Amon Roosevelt? Yeah, and he was open all game. You know, a credible quarterback wins that game for the Riders easily just throwing to Roosevelt because the Bombers couldn't cover him. Do you think Kalaro's could have played in that game? No, I don't think it would have been smart to play him. Health-wise, apparently he passed all the tests, but he's had concussion history, injury history in the past, and, you know, it was weird seeing a very human side of Chris Jones after the game pretty much declaring, you know, we could have put him out there, but I decided not to. You know, he, he didn't think it was in the best interest for the health of his career now and in the future. And for a guy who's going into free agency, maybe not the best decision for him. But it was interesting seeing a coach who has a very, you know, persona in the public of being, you know, all for winning and, you know, not about the players. You know, at the end of the day, he does really look like a player's coach. I will disagree with that statement other than the fact that for once a year, he makes himself look like a decent human being. Well, he did. He did this week. At least with Zach Kalaros, anyways. Yeah. So one time a year, good for him. There's a lot of other players that would probably say otherwise, and that he's a prick to play for. But he is. He's the bad guy the CFL needs. Oh, he fits right in with 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 uh, everything that goes on in Regina. You know, you either love him or hate him. An organization, especially as a Bomber fan, you know, I, I respect the heck out of their fans. I do too. I enjoy They're nothing fun. more than going to a game there. But it, it's nice having that little, uh, you know the hate as a, as a fan going into another market, you know, it just makes it more, more entertaining to watch. I've had a lot of fun at Labor Day games. That is true. All right. So we, I'm one and one, you're 0 and two. I don't know what you're picking just this for the week, playoffs. but if you're going to say that the bombers may lose again, I hope you go 0 and two again. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's stay with the bomber. Train no, the, of thought, the plans to get the East one right this week. Anyways, here you go. So we, we've kind of talked, we've got, we're on the bomber train and we've talked about Calgary's, explosive air quotes uh offense at one point this season i would totally agree with you uh i'm once again gonna go winnipeg here to take the west final and it's because i still don't think calgary has worked out all the kinks that they had after that three-game losing streak they've been struggling no doubt about that uh their one win is as you allude to uh, breaking that three-game losing streak was on the road against uh, a bc team that really didn't have a whole lot to play for and Calgary had everything to play for because they needed to lock up first place still over the Riders. 
And let's their their biggest passing threat was, as much as we love him, Chris Matthews. He's so there's not a lot of love for him. I don't know. I I, I still think the Bombers misplayed him entirely when he lived out here, and or when he played out here, and he almost he almost won your other team a uh, a Super Bowl one year. So well, he helped him get within a yard of a Super Bowl, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, if they'd thrown the ball to him, they'd probably have it. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> Let's not try to heal all wounds tonight. Uh, just gonna poke some bears and see what happens. But but I like Chris Matthews is been out of the league for a period of time. Warranted a good chunk of that was in the NFL. He's an older guy. He wasn't on your roster most of the year. Like Calgary is still hurting to move the football. Now it's supposed to be nice out. I think it's supposed to be like twelve degrees on Sunday. So running like passing and running is not going to be an issue. But if Bombers control the play like they did with Andrew Harris, they, they're going to eliminate the threat of Bo Levi Mitchell entirely. And that's all they have, really. They don't have a good running game. They don't have the defense that Calgary presented, or Saskatchewan, I should say. It is very evenly matched. It's a very similar match to the game last week the Bombers played. And you, and you dive a little deeper into their offensive issues. And, you know, we talked about Chris Matthews, and we discussed this a bit before we started recording. Was I feel like Calgary's MO on offense, especially the guy like Matthews, is about three or four times a game, they're going to get him on single coverage, and they're just going to air it out to him. And it almost seems like they just were more hoping for a PI than anything. Because it's and Canada that happens. The Bombers were guilty of that a few times against That almost, that almost played Winnipeg out in that game last week. That was a terrible PI call in the end zone. I will agree with that. But I know the Stampeders, some of their biggest plays against the Bombers a few weeks back in Winnipeg were on PI on deep balls in single coverage and that's definitely Mitchell's not afraid to throw that ball and you know sometimes I guess a lot of Bomber fans wish our offense would do that a little, a little bit more you know they don't exactly stretch the field that vertically all too often sure they haven't done it at all but going into this game it's a tough game to pick you know the, my heart's definitely with the Bombers I'm not really worried about the environment they're going to be playing in you know as, as a visiting team you know they definitely came out of probably the hardest environment to play as a visiting team and I think they handled that quite well uh, as do uh, a great old line and a great running back do, uh, eliminates the crowd pretty good. I think I'm going to agree with you on this one. I want to pick the Bombers to win this game. I will pick the Bombers to win this game. I want to make my life difficult because we both said if the Bombers make it to the Grey Cup, we're going to scratch and claw and make our way to Edmonton to see the game. Some of the aspects are ready to go for that. Everything that's 100% refundable is ready it's, to go for that. It's good trip planning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so then I will let's move to the east and uh, I'll let you go ahead here in the Ottawa Hamilton pick. Ottawa Hamilton. You know what? This game to me centers around one player who needs this game more than any other player on both teams. Trevor Harris. You know what? This game means everything to him for this season, for the organization, for his bank account, for where he plays next year. You know. Everybody in Ottawa looks at him and goes, he's great, except when he needs to win you the big game. And he's never been able to do that yet. A lot of times he doesn't even look like he should be out there. He looks lost in big games. You know, he's not like Matt Nichols when they showed his stats from his last two playoff games. He was unbelievable and somehow managed to lose both those games. I don't even know how when you see the stat line. <coughs> Defense. <clears throat> yeah. You know, it's still a team game and, you know, the quarterback is the position that can definitely have the most impact on a game. and I think it's going to center around him, and I think he's due for a good game. I think Hamilton comes down a little bit. Uh, I think Ottawa has enough pieces, and I think Ottawa's defense 
He's going to do a, a way better job than whatever BC trotted out there last week. And I do like Ottawa to make the uh, make the Grey Cup coming out of the East this year. All right. I'm going to have to go against you. Guarantee that one of us gets a win this week. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but Guarantee also, one of us goes 2-0. That's what you're talking about. I think Hamilton has figured out all the problems I need. They came out and proved that Speedy Banks is no longer an issue. Addison looked real good. I just don't see how Jeremiah Mazzoli doesn't get Hamilton what they need to do offensively. Because he's been doing it all year and he's the MOP candidate and whatever. That's easy to say he's the MOP candidate. I'm like, I still haven't necessarily been convinced by what he could do because he has a target where he can push the ball with Speedy Banks. But now that Speedy Banks is out of the question, he moved that ball with ease. His movement rolling out of the pocket this past week was just stellar. I think it's a, the quarterback that wins his football game. I just think it's the other one. Well, it's it's going to come down to which quarterback plays better. And I know that seems like a very simple simple answer to a football game. But Cop really, out. these these two guys are going to be the reason, one or the other, that their team wins. And I don't think it's going to be any other player other than these two guys, whether it's a big mistake or a big play that they make. I don't know how much you want to think of the fact that Ottawa beat Hamilton in every meeting in the regular season. I don't know if that plays into this. I guess if Ottawa wins, you say yes. If Ottawa loses, you buy in the concept no. that it's harder to beat a team a second or a third time, or in this case, the fourth time. I don't buy into it anymore because they've already beat them three times. You know, that's <laughs> not going to be the reason they lose to them this time is because they beat them three other times. Um, Hamilton's a whole new offense, really, with how many wide receivers they've switched out. But I think that's why last week with BC playing so poorly was it gives Hamilton that confidence that they can play with these other guys. Yeah, they're going to be confident. And they still have Luke Tasker. If they need a first down, they're still, they still got a guy to get it for them. I'm excited for these games, man. I tell you. Um, I can't wait till 1.30 out here on the West for the, the Bomber game. I'll be Ugh. eagerly anticipating that one. <laughs> I feel but, like this uh, is going to constantly be a thing until we're in Edmonton. <laughs> I want to be in Edmonton. I just... Where I, where I mock your West Coast time zone. Yeah, and then we'll be in a time zone neither of us understand. <laughs> the mountain. How do we end up here? Yeah. <laughs> what day is it? Thankfully, we won't be there too long. I don't know how confused we can get. Well, some some people can get pretty confused in Edmonton. <laughs> that might be the greatest Grey Cup Edmonton story of all time. At least for me and my family members <laughs> who got to witness it. Uh, I was there for all of it, and I don't really remember any of it. So, what does that they say? They still call you Wrong Way Kurt. The one time that's ever happened. And it was glorious. One other topic we did want to talk about is headshots. We kind of touched on it about Zach Laros there last week and me taking shots at Odell Willis because, you know, nobody likes Odell Willis. But it happens to Saskatchewan, again, different play. Don't get me wrong. Oh, totally different. You got you had... Kalaros, who stood up, he was standing the in the pocket upright. The intent is still there. And Willis just drilled him for an upright quarterback in the pocket, where Brandon Bridge was, I think he had ran about 40, 50 yards back and forth, side to side, before he ended up getting hit. He was scrambling. He was on his way down. He was trying to move the ball. Like, the timing of him releasing the ball to the contact is much closer than the Willis hit. The fact that he was in a little bit more of a precarious position probably takes some of the discipline off of Jeffcoat. It's still a bad hit. Uh, it's, it's still it's, a very bad. It's, it's still a 15-yard penalty doing. every time. Like when you see the the ref cam angle, and it's unfortunate that it appears the ref's vision is blocked. 
based off of the the helmet on his hat or the well i thought it was because the tackle was literally standing in like the tackle who got it completely embarrassed for saskatchewan standing in front of between him and the quarterback yeah like he had he had 300 pounds of man blocking his view and it's not even that the one thing i did notice from that angle is you watch the bomber player jeff coat go in to hit him and he goes to hit him right towards the upper body he projects his body towards bridges shoulder head area you know he didn't try to tackle him at the waist whatsoever and it's a fine line and i understand as a defensive player it's nearly impossible in the heat of the moment to always hit below the head and you're never going to completely get rid of it i wish they they had better rules in place to enforce he says, because that's just where the league's going. And whether you like it, hate it, it helps you. So that, that leads to what the commissioner came out and said after the game is in the offseason, they will look at having the command center be able to re- review those plays. I don't know if I like that. I don't like the fact that he said next year. Well, he like, can't do it now. You can't do it in the playoffs. Well, he's he's changed the rules before in the season. Not in the playoffs. Like, if they're all about getting it right, then start getting it right now and not we'll wait three games and get it right but next you can't year. but you can't make these rash decisions about it though you have to contemplate the negative consequences that could come for them. everybody thought it was a good idea to challenge pass or illegal contact look how that happened yeah i'd, I'd much prefer you, you can't make that rash decision about it you that. have to think about the other side of the spectrum it's such a fine line in football when it comes to headshots especially defensive linemen on quarterbacks because quarterbacks, in this case, a mobile quarterback running around, his head is constantly changing where it is. And, and to try and predict where he's going to be when you hit him. And if you've never played football and never tried to tackle another human, like that's just not an easy thing to do. And it's not easy to almost put yourself in a vulnerable position to hit a guy because you're afraid you'd get a flag for hitting him high. Because when Jeff Coat hit him, he was making sure he was not going to be in a vulnerable position. You start lowering your head to hit a guy around the waist. You know what? There's probably more harm that comes from the guy tackling him than the guy getting hit at that point. But that's seemingly where they want to go with this. I think no matter what happened there, Jeffco doesn't have to hit Bridge. Bridge is already on the process of going down. It's a bad hit. Oh, it is. He should have got flagged. Yeah, he, absolutely, no he absolutely had the ability to step away from that hit and didn't. It's yeah, he didn't hit. have to project. He didn't have to project himself up high. It's simple as that. He just didn't have to do it. You know you shouldn't be doing it. They tell you every day not to do it. The league is enforcing is enforcing rules now. They're trying to enforce more rules on it. Every football league's doing this from grassroots up now. There's no excuses anymore. With that being said, it's, you're never going to completely get rid of it. But I, I do like the fact that the CFL office is taking ownership of the issues. And as far as I'm concerned, you, you can't expect a better answer out of the commissioner. Yeah, I, I, I like that it'll be reviewed. I think it's right to look at it in the offseason. I don't necessarily like it going to Command Center because I think we're putting almost too much onus on Command Center to get absolutely everything right, and there is still a human element to the game. It's unfortunate in that situation because in most other parts of the game, you have that back judge behind the offense with the head ref. At that juncture of the game, he's now back in the defense, and... You know, that would have been another angle that could have caught that hit. If you're not going to take it to the command center, which I'm not quite sure how it's going to work out, because I don't think there's... We're talking like three or four plays a year, maybe. What what I still would prefer the CFL to do... You see, that's where do, that, that fine line is, is why you have to think this through. What I'd prefer to see the CFL do is to make it a challengeable play and give each team a second challenge if they get their first challenge right. So if a play like that, an egregious play like that is missed, 
a team can challenge it, gets it, gets the yardage, and turns around and gets the second challenge. And at least you're putting it on the teams. I would be happier with that. And I still think there should be a second challenge for getting the first one right. Just because the, the officiating at, at all levels for all calls isn't where I think most fans would like it to be. And I think even most officials would like it to be. And I, I do still think okay it, with the one challenge. You know, a single challenge I'm not a huge fan of. I guess the penalty now is if you get it wrong, you don't get a second one. Where before there's no penalty for screwing up a challenge. Which is probably why I didn't like multiple challenges. Yeah, like to me, it should never be you get a second one if you get the first one wrong. But because yeah, I was with you, because then you just got all these flyers and people challenging whatever they can think of on a play. Just they got that it. wrong a couple of years ago. They've fixed that yeah. problem. But there's there's definitely a lot of work that has to get done on this topic. And every football league struggling with it. You hear it week in, week out in the NFL. There's always plays that people are talking about headshots. Is that a headshot? They've, they've gone to a farther length in terms of headshots right now in quarterbacks than we have. So it's it's going to be an ongoing issue. And as a fan, as an official, the league office, the many media types that like to roast the CFL on plays like this, you know, all I can hope for is you know a couple of really good games this weekend, and a couple of games that have no big controversial officiating calls in the fourth quarter. I want to hear the teams decide it. You know. I don't want to hear everything about headshots and the rioters after the Bombers go into Regina and win, which almost never happens. Bombers have won a playoff game, it seems like, forever. And all first I playoff game, first how, regular season game, and Mosaic belonged to Winnipeg. That's all that matters. You know, Bomber fans took that win and really happy about it, but there was no real celebratory mood in the media perspective because all we had to hear about is this high hit. Winnipeg shouldn't be happy. Winnipeg needs to go win a Grey Cup. What's there to be happy about? You haven't won since 1990. Well, that's why like, the only thing that win did game. was protect your head coach from getting fired. That's the only thing the win did. O'Shea has a job next year because he won that football game. Well, it starts with that, right? you got to start somewhere. And it seems like every year we got to start over, which, well, I guess that's true for every team. But it just Next seems like year, year more so than ever before. The CFL is going to be a weird, dark place next year. Could be. Like, no one's going to have like the same team. It's, players are going to be absolutely everywhere. It's going to be It's like a fantasy draft. Think like something right now, like seventy percent of players are set to become free agents. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's all in that. The fact that Johnny Manziel is one of them that's not blows my mind. But to go back to the Bombers, it just as a Bomber fan, this year feels a little different. Not just because they made the playoffs, not just because they won a game, but the core, the group. It just kind of seems like this is the last shot for them, and it kind of feels like they know that as well. Not to diminish the fact that Calgary doesn't have a little extra incentive with the fact that they they can't play the second half of a Grey Cup game. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because I really feel you have two teams. There's just a little added incentive here, you know, for various reasons that I would say most of the other teams, especially not the other two teams playing in the East, that really have going for them. And that's what makes it such a fascinating matchup. And, you know, if the Bombers O-line plays like I played last week, I think they win the game, and that's why I picked them to win because of their O-line. Fair enough. That and Andrew Harris went off because of that O-line. But you are right. It is the conference finals, division finals. I don't know what they want to call it. I would just wish it could say semifinals because I'm still all for the one division concept. But nonetheless, we will not ever get there, or maybe not in my lifetime anyway. It is playoff football. It is Canada. I'm going Bombers. I'm going Tabbies. You seem to disagree at least 50%. Only half the time. You're only half wrong. Really? Because last week I was half right. What were you? <laughs> yeah no statement. i'm either right or wrong i don't get these halves this is true well maybe next week we'll be well we will be chatting about the gray cup maybe we'll be chatting in person 
Maybe we can record an episode when we're in Edmonton. Maybe. That all depends that, on one of our picks. Yeah, let the excitement uh, let the excitement build. <laughs> that is this week's episode of the Monday Morning Morons. We will recap come Sunday and see who gets a chance to go to the big dance in the CFL. Kurt, have a good night, buddy. You too. Enjoy the games.